that was kind of odd because when that car raced, which is only a handful of times, I had to race against Todd, which is the guy who worked on the cars with all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was a little interesting. Brings him off the corner. We go green flag racing. Kelly going to pull the slide job on him up a turn of our board. The slide job on Race Pro Radio. Brought to you by DMC Racing Products. Race to win. Hello and welcome to the slide job here on Race Pro Radio. I am Bobby Chalmers, and in this week's episode, we talk with someone whose father had one of the most iconic race cars in dirt-modified history. Not only that, he also had several high-profile drivers. Even though he had a famous last name, over the last two-plus decades, this gentleman has been making a name for himself in his own right. He's become very well-known for thinking outside the box, especially when it comes to things that have now been outlawed. So let's get into it as we catch up with Pittsburgh, New York's Ted Barker. Anybody that knows you, has known your dad, Cliff Barkham, I mean, he owned cars forever. I mean, how many of those cars do you remember? Because, I mean, you, you had to be really young when, when this whole thing started for you. The, the first ones I really remember were when uh, Papaselli drove for us. And that was right after Allen drove. So I was too little then. Uh, and my dad had bought the first two weld cars that Allen had. Uh, then they split, and then Tapaselli was driving with my father. I vaguely remember that. My memories really start when Davey Moore took over in 79. Uh, that's when my memories of, you know, going racing with my dad and the family, uh, you know, are pretty clear. How did dad ever pick his drivers? Uh, well, my father was... Uh, ultra competitive, and he felt like he had great equipment, and he felt like his car should run up front, and he wanted the best drivers in him. And Davey Moore was, you know, winning races. Uh, that's you know, he met my father through a mutual friend. Um, you know, they put a deal together and got in the car, and they won a bunch of races together. Um, you know, he knew Milt Johnson was with Allen. You know, but when he was a kid, there saw talent there. They they put a deal together, but. So it went from like Allen to, to Pep. That was a short little stint, but you know, Davey was really, really good. And um, then, of course, Stevie Coville was winning everywhere. Um, so you know, they CD. hooked up, got put in the car, and um, you know, then after, after him, uh, you know, he did a little deal with uh, Will Cagle, and then uh, they split. And then uh, always wanted to run the Valley. He really liked going there, and Dave Leckerby was one of the best drivers down there. That's how Dave got in the car. <laughs> I never understood that. Probably one of your most well-known drivers in the cars has got to be, at least in my eyes, would probably be Sammy Swindell. I mean, how did that? Well, I mean, I mean, obviously you had Allen, you had, you know, you had some really big-time drivers back then. But I mean, that was one of the higher, I would say, the high-profile drivers. How did that whole deal come about? Well, my father was friends with Raymond Beetle from uh, Blue Mac. Um, I don't know if you remember them or not. That was yep. who Rusty Wallace drove for, you know, the 27 car, the Blue Max team. And uh, Sammy was driving the old Milwaukee Blue Max sprint car. And, uh, for, you know, Raymond Beetle owned that and Rusty's deal. Right. So my father was friends with him. You know, Syracuse is always a big deal to my to my dad. And who goes to who at the time was going the fastest around Syracuse? <laughs> so, 
Uh, Sammy's won in the sprint car up there uh, a few times, and so they they put a deal together to, to run that thing at Syracuse, and didn't take him long to get acclimated to it. <laughs> no, he was. It wasn't the Batmobile, but he was really faster on that racetrack. Yeah, he um he actually we had a spark plug wire come off the car during time trial, so it qualified on seven cylinders. He still set the world record though at the time, didn't he? And, and still broke the track record and sat on the pole. Yeah, the the record was broke the next day. Uh, the track was faster the next day by Glenn Fitzgerald. Charles, when everybody the first day, yeah, Sammy broke the track record. You, what do you remember about that 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 whole week? Because I mean, he was he was pretty dominant early on in that race, and it just kind of I think everything went a, a little bit wacky with the whole Buzzy Rudiman accident. I mean, what do you remember about yeah. that? Well, um, you see, I, I remember when we sat on the pole. My my mom came out of the house. I was playing in the yard with one of my buddies, and. My mom said that uh, Sammy was on the pole. I, I can remember this day how excited I was. You know, I was only like nine years old, but um, you know, I have very vivid memories of my racing days when I was a kid. Um, but uh, as far as that race goes, um, yeah, Sammy, you know, took the lead. Um, you know, my my father was you know pretty proud of his engine too. He collaborated with Walt, well, Marquette there, but you know, a lot of it was his combination, and and uh, he was very proud that he could outrun the Hutters. And, um, yeah, he took the lead, and then he ended up having a, uh, a right retire going down, short of the right retire. And then um, he was coming back up through the field, and him and Byrosh got together, and they ended up in the turn four fence. And uh, they were sitting there, and then uh, Buzzy swung wide, coming out of four, and, you know, hurt them both pretty bad. Yeah. Anybody that read the story that – I did about you on in Race Pro uh, recently. Uh, knows that you did some some work with Troyer Race Cars in the late '90s, early 2000s. You had, at the time, Troyer was really hot with the the, the, the four link. They were working on developing the four link, um, and and they have seemed to have gotten it to work. I mean, what do you think made that 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 work so well? What made that popular back then? Well. I don't know. There was only a few guys that were really, really good at them, you know, back then. I mean, you had like uh, Hoffman and Burley, Varen, um, Danny Johnson. You know, they, they were they were a finicky car, but when they were right, you couldn't beat them. The sweet spot was really, really small. Um, and I think that uh, that's why the car ended up ultimately falling out of favor. Is just that it was, you know, wasn't for everybody. It was uh, you're on a nice edge all the time. Uh, but there was something there, you know, because the car, when it was right, you couldn't beat it. Um, but, you know, I also think that with Burley and Varen and our deal, you know, we met a guy named Todd Thompson who's still doing the shots for me, uh, who was way, way, way ahead of the game back, back then. And we had shots that could overcome some of the goofy geometry that was involved with the dirt modified. He could do things with his shocks. Uh, that people weren't doing back then. And that gave us a leg up, too. I mean, we won a ton of races with Burley, and then we ran the double zero with Varen. You know, we were always really good. Um, so that that helped us. But we didn't have some of the problems that some of the other guys did. Is it safe to say that kind of fueled your passion to, to, to what you've been doing lately with the four-link? I mean, that you wanted to do it again? or or? Well, I, honestly, I felt more comfortable with the four-link um, just because that's kind of where I started. Like, when I was really going everywhere with Burley, um, that's what we were running, <laughs> you know, from 
you know, 99, 2000, you know, 2003 or so. I mean, that's when I was cutting my teeth and he was teaching me things. That's, that's the kind of cars we had. So I've always felt more comfortable around them. And then my shock guy, the late model guy. So he was always explaining to me things in a different manner, you know, trying to get me to look at things differently. And then um, when I went to work at Troyer there three, four years ago, um, I really liked the TD4 chassis, you know, that, that, that Peter and Bill kind of, you know, developed. And um, I felt like that far, I was like, well, what we know now from spring smashers and all that kind of stuff, uh, and the technology that's out there now, I really felt like going back to the sport length was the thing to do. And, you know, so I brought you know, brought it up to Rob uh, in the winter of 17, 18, and he's like, well, all right, let's give it a try. So that's <laughs> kind of where it started. To kind of backtrack a little bit, like you said, you were racing with, with Ty Burley a lot. You spent a lot of time working with Bobby Varon. I mean, right in the middle of the, of the of the 2000s, I mean, you decided to kind of make a move. You actually moved down south. I mean, what was the, the change? Why did you decide to make that move? Um, well, I was, uh, was burned out, but really. I mean, Todd and I raced so much. I mean, it was, you know, Friday night. Saturday, uh, Saturday with the asphalt car, Sunday again with the dirt car, the super dirt series. A lot of times it was just him and I, and I was, I was tired. I, you know, just kind of, you know, I was like, well, I'm out of college now. I've been doing this full time again for a couple of years. I got to kind of make a living. So I had met, um, Ray Shepler and, uh, Charlie Langenstein, both of which me and my dad, um, uh, through the double zero car. Um, and, uh, you know, I had to go down there and kind of prove myself to Ray, and then he uh, he got me the job at, at uh, Hendrick. So uh, while I was down there when I first started, we put another four link together for Bobby and raced that for a little bit, and then um, you know then that car went away. But I stayed down in Charlotte, and I was in uh, when I first started it was Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson's shop, and then my last few years it was uh, Dale and Jimmy. Now, what kind of stuff were you doing for Hendrick? Um, I was in the parts room mostly, um, did some tree assembly work, uh, early on when I first started, I was going out and doing the test tires for Jeff, but then, uh, right around that time, they started cutting back on the testing and then, um, I got more responsibility in the shop and the parts room. So I didn't, it worked out good for me because I, in that time I'd met my you know future wife and it was nice being home on the, you know, all the time and, uh, not being on the road. So, um, being in the parts room was great. You know, got to meet a lot of good people, make good relationships. And a lot of those companies that I met down there are the ones that have helped me on the cars up here. Back in 2014, I think you were telling me earlier in our pre-interview uh, conversations, you you talked about the fact that you were moving back up here and you were putting together a car for Super Dirt Week. Ironically, it was a Bicknell chassis. It wasn't a Troyer car. How did How did that come about? Uh, well, I had met uh, Rob Bellinger a couple of years prior through a mutual friend, John Tesser. Um, he called me up and said, hey, I got my buddy Bellinger coming down to Charlotte. You know, we want to help him out. So Robbie and I met that way. And then uh, in the next year, I helped Rob at uh, Super Dirt Week. We had a strong run going, so we ran out of fuel there with a few laps to go. And then I helped him again in Florida. And then so I was moving back there in 14, and, you know, his cars were all sick now. And Randy Wentz and I had a you know, good relationship. You know, he, he loved my dad, you know, obviously uh, growing up watching Davy Moore out there in Grantsville, Merrittville. Um, so, you know, they helped me out. 
And uh, I told Rob, I said, I know this is your team and everything, but I said, here's what I'd like to do. Um, I can bring the chassis, body, product sponsors, um, some bolt-on stuff. If you want to, you know, if you like, you know, you're in it, you know, it's your team, you know, motor stuff and everything. So we kind of put it together, the two of us. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So, you know, we were in his eight car all year long, and then we started putting that car together, and we went to Syracuse. And anybody that remembers that car remembers it had a distinctive black and gold color again, and it had number 11 on it. How cool was that for you to see that car on the racetrack again up there especially? Oh, uh, it, uh, it was a pretty incredible feeling, you know, especially, um, you know, the last time I saw my dad's colors were all balled up at Syracuse to the Swindell's car, you know. and Well, I mean, luckily had a great run that day too, but obviously the Sammy's memory stuck out in my mind. So to see the car on the track again, it's just, uh, it was, it's surreal. I, you know, I always told myself I was going to do it, somehow get it done. And, um, and to see it out there, you know, I'd like that without Rob and his family, everything, it never would have happened. But, um, it was, it was pretty cool feeling to see it out there again. I just, now looking back, I wish we would have went a little better. <laughs> <laughs> back in 17, I think you, it was, you decided you wanted to kind of dip your toe back in the waters for, for another four link. You, mm-hmm. you went, you went back and worked with Troyer. You were back at the, you were working for him. I mean, what is it like, you know, through the whole process when you realize, I mean, cause obviously Billy and, and, and like you said, and Peter had the TD four car, they had a great product, but you wanted to do an offshoot of it. I mean, you had your own ideas, your own suspension, you know, to, to make the four link work. I mean, what goes through that? I mean, what's the process for something like that? Oh, well, um, yeah, I'd gone to work at Troyer's and, um, you know, Robbie was, you know, always had been a Troyer guy. So the previous year we had got another, you know, at the time it was a TD2 chassis and we didn't have a good year, you know, I mean, plain and simple, we weren't very good. And we ended up running, uh, my Bicknell car, you know, uh, a few races towards the end because we were struggling. So that made work a little tense, you know, like I got a Bicknell car that we're from crew chief and on and, um, you know, Troyer's Park working at Troyer's. <laughs> so that was fun. And um, so uh, that winter, I was just like, you know, I want to do a four link again. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just got a wild hair and I said, you know, I want to do it. And I actually started looking around and, and I reached out to Burley and Baron and some other guys. Are, in, are there any old 98, 99 year chassis around? And we couldn't find anything worth a darn. So I told Rob, I said, hey, you know, we'll take, you know, get a TD4, you know, and it was his car because he was going to buy a new one anyway. And I said, we'll make it a four lane. And he's like, well, well all right. <laughs> I told Rob, pretty easy going. <laughs> and so, um, you know, to be honest, I mean, Bill, you know, he didn't want anything to do with it. And I think a lot of it, he had a sour taste in his mouth how it all went before, you know, because it's, yeah, it hurt the business because the four links fell out of favor so fast. Right. But, you know, I kind of did my own thing there at Troyer's, and I had great people behind me between, you know, my shock guy, Todd, and uh, Chad Weir's um, from Weir's Machine. I mean, they, you know, they helped me with, you know, bird cages and geometry and stuff like that. And the first car that we put together for, that was Rob's car, um, I actually got the measurements from Brian Sage because he had an old four-link chassis out in the dingweeds at his house. <laughs> so 
really like the, the first bolt holes and locations and stuff that are on the frame were from that car. And I, I needed a starting point. So I, I did that. And then, you know, we got the measurements for the, uh, the, the you know, for the, uh, the bird cages and stuff, just from old stuff. I talked to, um, uh, Kenny Tremont's guy. Um, and you know, he and I talked and he had, a, he had Kenny's old four link there and he gave me some, uh, measurements and that's kind of how it all started and then you know we had the frame at Troyer's and the guys there made all new unique brackets and everything to, to put on that car and the way it went and so uh you know once it was all together we took it to Canadago that that uh that first opening night there of um 18 and I don't think I've ever seen Rob's eyes so big when he got out of the car <laughs> <laughs> well I mean how how much R&D did you guys have to do? Because, I mean, I know you've t- you told me earlier, you ran that whole, the 2019 season, you ran the car completely the entire year. I mean, how much R&D goes into something like that? When, you're, when you've got something that is either, you know, it's proven, but it's like 20 years ago, how, how much time do you spend working on it? I mean, I know like a lot of late models and stuff are using it, but, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's unconventional for our modified cars. Well, you know, um, R&D-wise, it was just go to the racetrack. And uh, our shock guy is the one who, you know, told us kind of what springs he thought we should have, where our load numbers should be. Um, I worked with Shane from, um, you know, Slim's team, and he was telling me that he set up a thing where he could tell what the extended load of a torsion bar was for the left rear. So I kind of tried to just get our left rear extended load to that number. And then um, that's what I was only worried about was that extended number. Um, you know, so it was just going by my shot guy as far as the, so we were going to coils too. I mean, that was another thing that was unknown to all of us because our previous four links were pretty much all on bars. I forgot about that. So, you know, and not many people were on coils there at the beginning of 18. So, you know, we had a four link on coils going by what I thought might work and stuff from 20 years ago. So, I have my fingers cut <laughs> and really, you know, we come to find out the things that we were doing to make the cars go 20 years ago. Well, they, you know, our thoughts were backwards. Um, so, and then we, we learned that by having the spring machine and stuff like that, that let us know what the car was actually doing. Uh, it was just dumb luck that we actually made them go around the racetrack 20 years ago. So what you're so, saying is that technology has kind of helped that whole suspension process you know with all the new stuff you had like you said the spring smashers and all that stuff it it it, it, that's the stuff that actually helped to make the cars better right you know and then so the first part of that year you know we were also on right side standard so then middle of the summer put the car back over to troyer's after i mean we started off pretty good with the car and then then it just started to go to hell and honestly rob and i almost split because of it because it was just we were both looking like idiots out there, and it was just wasn't pretty. Um, so I took the car back over to Troyer's. You know, we put a J-bar on the thing, and, you know, we put the right rear shock ahead of the axle tube, where normally it was behind. Made some pretty significant changes. Then we, went, then we raced uh, Brewerton, and, oh, man, we were freaking ugly. And, so, I mean, we were at each other. You know, it was not good. And then um, the last Super Dirt Series race, there um of 18 
meanwhile, we got my the eleven four like going together for dirt week. Well, this is all going on, um, and you know we were about ready to load the car up because we were the slowest darn car there. And then Ejo was bought off in the contest. He got in the show, and then we went from dead last to top ten. And he's like, "Darn, that thing is actually pretty good." So we realized the potential was there, so we didn't quit. And then, um, you know, then we went to Dirt Week with the uh, with the brand new car. And we were so so um, made the show, and then you know I think we would have been all right come race day, but the you electrical know, failure and tried the first ten laps. So um, that winter is when I really started to go to work as far as trying to gather more information, and that's where you know the, took the car to PRI, who's in the, the PRI booth for Weird Machine, you know, talking to. Um, those guys and the endless resources they have, people from Rage Chassis, I met those guys. Um, uh, a bunch of, you know, Dave from Willwood helped me with some different braking stuff. Um, learning more about the spring smasher and the load numbers and all that different kind of stuff that when we brought the car, car out to run the 11 and 19, you know, we were way, way, way further ahead than we were previous fall. Oh, and then like you said, like you were saying, you ran it all this past year. You ran the car, and back in June, out at Brood, and Robbie parked it in Victory Lane. I mean, how with everything you're talking about, the fact that you guys almost split, you guys were struggling like crazy. How satisfying was it that that you were able to put that car in Victory Lane? I mean, was it everything you had hoped for? Oh yeah, I mean, um. You know, like I said, it, you know, it's a team effort with Rob and I. You know, he pays the bills on everything. Um, but, you know, even, you know, it was, it's hard to put into words. You know, there's along along the way, I, and I always said that I, you know, bring dad's colors out, you know, family colors out, you know, and, you know, one way or the other, and going to win a race. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> so, you know, and I think – as, as sweet as that was to see 11 park there in victory lane and see how happy, happy Ross Robbie was. It was the fact that he and I did something there that, you know, people told up, told us again, four weeks don't work. They don't work in our cars. You can't race them. And especially because we look like idiots plenty of times the year before to, to come out and we were a top 10 car every week leading up to that race. And, you know, um, he, he figured out how to drive the cars a little bit different. It just came together. And, uh, I mean, it was just there's a sense of pride for both of us, I think. And, you know, we're old men. I mean, it was going to be something we sit back and laugh about because, you know, I think we did something pretty cool there. Now, last year, you know, at Super Dirt Week, you guys were struggling early. And then you had a pretty good run in the, the last chance qualifier. And then, unfortunately, the car ended up, in the turn three wall and that big multi-car pileup, I mean, it, it was kind of mm-hmm. gone in a blink of an eye. But, I mean, now if you look at it, Dirt, with their rules, have outlawed the four-link suspension. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and you and I have talked about this. You kind of believe that you had something to do with that. I mean, do you? Well, there's, there's no doubt that there was, I mean, there was a lot of people sniffing around that car. and. You know, I, you know, the dirt officials, you know, they, they noticed it. And I think that they knew where the sport was going to go. And unlike how they did not get ahead of the uh, cylinder head rules years ago, they were trying to get ahead of the chassis changes. 
that could possibly eliminate and obsolete everything, you know, if people actually focus on running the tennis suspension. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, we had a, we had our part in it, no doubt. Um, you know, I mean, who else want to race us here in the four lane? <laughs> Nobody. No. Okay. So here's, here's our, our little team, more or less, you know, we're not, we're not, we get Rob is well, you know, funded well enough. I mean, he, he, he does a fabulous job running the race team, you know, it's his, his deal. Um, but you know, we're not gypsum or anything, but here's our little deal. And we're banging on those guys for winning a race. And I think, you know, they did see what we did in the last chance qualifier, you know, to, to run away with that thing. Um, and we finally showed what that thing could do in front of everybody. If that car had made it through Super Dirt Week and with this new rule and everything with them outlawing it, what would you guys have done? I mean, do you, I mean, do you have any idea? Because I know, like, Rob was running the the – uh, 358 at Fulton, and I don't know if if you even still had your Bicknell or not, but I mean, what would you guys have done? Well, we had, as a team, decided that we needed to all scale back. It was just running the small block and the, the big block was just too much for all of us. So, you know, we decided that, you know, we accomplished what we wanted to accomplish with the 11 and the colors, and, you know, we were going to, I was going to sell that car, you know, because we didn't have the time anymore and we couldn't race enough to keep developing the four lane. So we needed life to get easier. And there, you know, and that's, you know, running what everybody else is running more or less. Uh, Robbie was happy, you know, just had a baby, you know, so that was in the works and knowing they're going to have a child in the spring and you know, my daughter's getting older. So we were planning on backing up a little bit. So we were going to sell my car or my, my share of it, you know, the frame and bolt-ons and stuff like that. And just, you know, put all the pieces that we, and we kept whatever on a new car for him, you know, bring the 8R back, you know, the first year he'd never run his 8R. We wanted to get that back out there and um, just scale back. But, you know, kind of made it easy for us when it got destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that you'll revisit this again? I mean, do you want to build another four link? Do you want to improve on what you guys have? I mean, because obviously you've got to have thousands of notes of what you've done. I mean, do you, do you have any idea on what you want to do? Would you want to do it again? Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, to me working on the short rod stuff and you know, all of the other kind of cars that are out there right now, means to me, it's, uh, it's boring. Um, like I'm not saying, you know, I would have the fastest car out there. What I'm getting at is it's just not as technically involved as a four link. And it just makes you think and, Talk to Matt Hearn, you know, and he's building uh, a couple more for some guys that run the short track super series. I, mean, I hope he takes it and runs with it. And, you know, if there's something I could do to help him, I definitely would. Um, because, you know, if, if somebody builds a four-link specific car and they're going all in on it, I don't think, you know, any time I don't think he could beat it. One of the things that I like to do when I'm doing these interviews is I do a lot of word associations. So, like, if I, I'm going to say a name to you and I want you to give me either a word or a phrase or a description of the person that, that I talk about when it, the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. All right. Don't be afraid. <laughs> These are okay. Um, you were talking about the fact that you were running with them so much. Todd Burley. Determination. Why is that? Uh, that guy will, he'll, he'll fight to the end. Um, never give up. 
you know, just a fighter's mentality. Like I'm here to win and I'm, you're going to have to fight me to take it. You know, it's just, it was fun to race with. Does he have the urge to, as I know he's doing a lot of the fabrication work now, does he have the urge to get back in the car? Uh, I keep bugging him every now and then. we got to get the band back together, but I think he's having a lot of fun with his son, uh, who's a phenomenal dirt bike rider. So I think he's, uh, he's, uh, scratching the itch that way. Um, your dad. Oh boy. Um, I don't know if I could use just one word. You don't have to use just one word. I just, I mean, he's, <laughs> to me and a lot of people, I think that's why you're, I mean, if you look at it, that's why the car, when you brought it back in 2014, had so much hoopla and, and, and everything around it because everybody remembers the Barkham bus, you know, the 11, and all over the place. I mean, there, there's... I, I'll be honest with you. I totally forgot about CD driving for you guys. I mean, that's how, I mean, he was the, he just had drivers all over the place. I mean, what did he, what does he mean to you? What did he, what do you think he meant to the sport of auto racing? Uh, to me, he's my, I don't know. He's, he's my, uh, he's my source of motivation. Um, you know, as, as far as the, the sport goes, I think he was one of the, the first or beginning of the owners that really wanted to show, you know, show professionalism and class in the sport. It meant a lot to him to have his stuff look really nice. Not that it doesn't to other people, but he, you know, my dad came from nothing and started his own business, um, became very successful, you know, on an eighth grade education with the World War II when he was 14. The guy came from nothing. Um, and so it meant a lot to him to show professionals in the class in his race cars and he was he was proud of them you know and he was proud of his family and have everybody involved so um and what he meant to the sport I, you know um innovation too i mean he got the the, the rule written in the rule book uh for the four barrel uh, carburetor you know that has to be a stock four barrel carburetor because he's the one who split it in cd's car in syracuse in 82 you know so it has a better fuel and uh, air mixture to make more power <laughs> um, he put a crossover place on Mike McLaughlin's car in 86, um, you know, split the headers. Yeah. They can't do that no anymore. You know? So <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was always trying to get a leg up. And I think, you know, I didn't develop the four and four link. I mean, it wasn't my idea that technology has been out there, ever, you know, forever, but for me to kind of take that and then, you know, go with it and get outlawed. Eh, kind of made you feel like him a little bit, maybe. <laughs> Um, now I, I, I wrote down, a, I, I put it down as Rick Hendrick just because of, of your time down there. But I mean, talk about when I say Hendrick Motorsports and, and NASCAR, I mean, what do you think about with your time down, you know, down South? Um, you know, I learned a lot. Uh, I wish maybe I could have done a little bit more, you know, on the road, I guess. Uh, but it's different. You know, it's a, it's a regular job, you know, you kind of, I, I lost a little bit of the passion for racing just because, you know, it was an everyday thing. And, um, but, you know, we had some pretty smart guys that were in the shop there, the way Chad had us do things. And, you know, you watch how some of the mechanics there put, you know, the cars together, um, just picking up on that little stuff, how to do it neater, how to do it better. And I think that I was able to take some of that and, 
you know, bring it to Rob's programs. And, you know, I think, you know, ultimately, I think all those little things help, you know. So my time down there was well spent, had fun, you know, six championships with Jimmy, some trips to New York City. You know, it, it was a good time. The only thing I had on my list was Dad's driver. Who would you classify as your favorite driver that your dad ever had? And and kind of describe him in in one word or one phrase. Oh boy, oh that you know that's hard to pick a favorite because you know they were all so good to me as a little kid. You know I don't think they were just being good to me because I was the owner's kid. Um, they were just good guys. Um, but um, if I had to pick a favorite, I think the family favorite was would probably be Leckenby. He was a short time. And just because he was a character, and, you know, and <laughs> yep. just a fun, just a, I mean, anybody that knows Dave, uh, and um, they, he, he was a lot of fun. I, I think he was probably the, the, the family favorite, but I mean, you know, C.D. Colville and Davey Moore, I mean, you know, Hayners, I mean, they're all, they were all such good people, and, you know, it's hard to pick one over the other. All right, one thing I totally forgot about, and I think I saw this in one of your photos on on your Facebook page, and I think I've seen this in maybe like an old Super Dirt Week program. The year that Sammy drove for you guys up there, Billy Taylor was working on that car, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Everybody that yep. has ever seen him out there with, with Hoffman or, or Dave Blaney or or, or Jack Johnson or anybody that drove the Phil Chevrolet car knew he was a character, knowing that he's a character still to this day. What was he like back then? I mean, he was always rambunctious when in the early 90s. I mean, what was he like back then? Oh, well, imagine being a – anybody that knows Taylor, imagine being a nine-year-old kid around him, you know, because he's about the same age. Um you know, my my family and, and Billy go way back. Uh, my mom actually grew up in the you know same area with Billy, so they know each other since they were kids. Really. Um. So, you know, my my dad kind of ran up the racing program there again in '85. You know, middle '85, and brought brought Billy in. You know, they were they had known each other for years. They were friends, and um, so yeah, going down the road. I there's plenty of times I can remember going down the road, sitting in the back seat of the truck with Billy driving. You know, scaring the crap out of my father. You know, I'm just laughing. You know, uh, yeah. You know, he's he's a he's a different breed, but he's a good guy. You know, we had a lot of we had fun. I mean, from you know the perspective of a nine year old, I mean, the guy was great. You know, <laughs> so um, you know, so I mean, he took care of the. You know, my dad was getting older. You know, it wasn't in the greatest health, so he took care of the cars for my father. And um, you know, we did the Bush deal there. We had to the Bush Grand National Car and Sammy drove that and Billy took care of that whole deal for us and um you know so you know it was a it was kind of a short stint he was with us and um you know yeah it was fun <laughs> we laughed I was say you probably had connection because he I mean he's been back and forth a couple times but he I think he's down in in the Charlotte area now too I think he's working for for I think Junior or something right now right I mean yeah he's working for he's working for Junior Motorsports doing the electronic or doing electrical work there I think doing dashes and stuff um and I bumped into him a few times here and there. Um, was he down there when brother, you, uh, uh, I was going to say, was he down there when, when you went down and moved down there, or was he back up here? No, I saw him a couple times down there. You know, not very often, just kind of in passing here and there. Um, he would go to the 
when my wife and I lived there, a little bar right there within walking distance. I'd see him there, you know, a month in a very while, and then, um, you know, through work stuff. And then the last time I saw him was at Maynard Toyer's celebration of life here a couple of years ago. I caught up with him a little bit there. So, but um, yeah, he's still 100 miles an hour. He hasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ted. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Oh, my, you know, my pleasure. And uh, I just want to, you know, thank you and and Rob and Beth and their family and, um, you know, obviously to be a part of their their race team. And, you know, uh, it, it's meant a lot. And uh, hopefully uh, we Rob and I get racing again this fall and get that eight, eight car back to victory lane. That's the goal. You got it, man. Thanks again. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks. Guys, you have no idea how much fun I'm having doing these podcasts. In talking with Ted, he took me back to my childhood when I used to watch Dave Lackenby battle Kenny Tremont, Tommy Corellis, and a host of others on the Valley High Banks. He also helped me remember being in the grandstands at Super Dirt Week, watching Slam and Sammy hustle his dad's famous number 11 around the Moody Mile. I can picture it just like it was yesterday. I really want to thank Ted for taking the time to be on this week's show. And don't forget, you can now download this or anything on Race Pro Radio from the iTunes Store, Spotify, or even RaceProWeekly.com. Thanks again for listening, and check back next week. This has been the Slide Job here on Race Pro Radio. <laughs>